Soaked in bleach. Yeah, and it was about um, his murder and I guess just new insights from the private detective that was hired by Courtney to initially find Kurt Cobain. Um, and then as he looked in um, to the missing persons case um, and realized there was a, that he was dead, then he um, started putting his own set of facts together. Yeah, it, it went in a little bit into the early days of Nirvana. They had, uh, I guess the guy who was the first drummer was being interviewed. They talked about some of the early moments of Nirvana and a little bit about Aberdeen, Washington. But it really was focused, uh, it, you know, it kept coming back to the, the parts you're talking about where there was a private investigator and then they were, they were interviewing, a, I think I wrote a book, a book about the whole uh, investigation they also uh had a former seattle police chief being interviewed right and and uh so the official story is that it was a suicide right it was found in a in a kind of a uh a little a room above a garage basically uh behind like a like a house in like uh, eastern seattle and uh yeah sort of below madison park there and so, uh so you you find the the um allegations fairly convincing that it may have been a murder well yeah i mean it just you know he was 27 you know he was wanting to get a divorce um from courtney and yeah, there were rumors about that yeah. there's rumors about that and there's a prenup associated with that and you know it just it just seems so sudden like why he had a little you know a little girl and you know i guess the the facts that they presented about the way that the gun was held and you know the way that they found the the room and everything um it left a lot of questions i'll say that you know it definitely you know made me question a lot and living here and, and being here for the 20th anniversary of um kurt cobain's death you know it's i don't know it's kind of a seattle thing uh, yeah uh and and um like like he said he you know he died at uh a very young age, uh, at 27, I think. And, uh, we, we have, um, well, word has just come down, uh, about another, uh, an, another rocker, um, who, who has died, not, uh, it, it died young, not as young, but, uh, at, um, 48, Scott Weiland just died from the singer from the Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Now... We were just talking about him. Yeah, I think I think the occasion of his uh, his 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 passing was was the reason we were we were talking about him, right? Yeah, and we were remembering um, songs that we liked and and similar bands. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's right. That's right. We we it, that's the thing, right? That's one of those things where if you if you just talk, had a conversation and then it's like okay, now you're on a <laughs> podcast, you're gonna talk about okay. Well, the thing about the thing about um, uh, Scott Weiland and uh, Stone Temple Pilots is uh, 
you know, like you know they kind of they came like a, a couple of years after uh, Nirvana uh, broke and some of the other grunge bands and they they uh, I think it was around 93 when they had their big um, breakthrough album uh, that had uh, like a whole bunch of popular songs actually um, this, uh, the album was core and I don't know, like, it was, it was like, I think you, I remember you saying they had kind of a, they were a bit heavy. They weren't really that pure grunge style. I think that's, that's fair. Um, I, I remember they, they had a following, uh, I think the, the guitar players, it was a couple brothers, uh, or, or, uh, um, maybe like guitar and bassist, Robert and Dean DeLeo. And they, and they, and they like, they had a following among kind of, people that were into the current, you know what I mean, kind of grunge era music, but like sort of a, a, a little bit heavier sound. And, yeah. And that, so, so, uh, yeah, they did a lot of cool stuff. And I think like, yeah, their first couple albums were the most popular, but they, they, they had a number of, uh, of, uh, pretty decent songs through the years. Uh, and then even like, like around what, 99 or so they had this where the, there was a Sarah Michelle Gellar in the video. What is she doing in the video? Uh, just kind of posturing like uh, like people do in '90s videos. Is she like the hot girl in the video? Video? It's just nice, like her, her hair's blowing in the wind or something. Yeah, but She's this on is a bike. late '90s Stone Temple Pilots, so it's got kind of uh, a, like a goth kind of vibe to it. Yeah, there you go. She's Buffy, right? Oh Buffy yeah, the well, there, that's there. what she was that's doing right. at the time, and that was kind of the look that maybe Sky Weiland had at the time. Although he he did have a lot of different looks through the years. Uh, yeah, you know, he I mean he went to rehab a number of times and he had his issues, but he lasted a while and uh, I think he made an impact. You know, you know, he was a, he was the Stone Temple Pilots lead singer for most of their run and for pretty much all their favorite songs. I, I mean, they're they're all their favorite uh, famous songs. But you know, he also was on a band that uh, I don't think you and I followed as much, but in the two thousands. There was a, a band with Slash and then some other Guns N' Roses guys. Oh, really? Called Velvet Revolver. Mm. And uh, they had a few songs that were fairly popular. They got, you know, they, they got a following among the hard rock fans that are, you know what I mean, that they want to hear Slash play and they want to hear, you know, that, that kind of thing. He was, he was the vocalist for that. So here's um, Slither by Velvet Revolver. I'm not as familiar with their their, their catalog. catalog. <laughs> I, I I celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> All right, so you know, I mean, we uh, you know, we can uh, let the listeners uh, research Velvet Revolver a little more and uh, <laughs> listen to that. But but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he hung around and he he made some uh, he made some more. Uh, some more songs. It, it it does seem like I mean, you know, I was I I don't know like like uh, is there the same kind of attrition of like famous like you know musicians that there used to be? I think so. I mean, we just had 
Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. Yeah, they were both. They yeah, they they were they were around like entering middle age. They weren't that old. You're right. They were you like know, 48, 50. The same thing with Scott. You know, he's not. He wasn't that old. No, Scott wasn't. Yeah, forty eight. He was around that same age. Okay, well, that's the thing now. But it, instead of like, I mean, it's still it's still premature. I mean, it's like. Like Jerry Garcia, right? Was he in his, his mid fifties? It seemed like he'd had a long run, but if you look back on that, you know, he didn't really live that long. You know? I felt like we've lost a lot of good people. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, Guru from uh, from Gangstar. Like a lot of um, there's a good number of you know hip hop, you know, people that have uh, yeah that have died. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think if that's the same. You know, if that's a similar rate. I think there's different kinds of. Uh, Things people die from, sort of, but uh, I mean, like Nate Dog, he died in 2011. Yeah. You know, like uh, I don't know, I don't know what the rate is. You know what I mean, compared to the general population. So. How are we gonna regulate now? Uh, you know that's that's one of the it's one of the classic songs of uh, of the 90s, and um, yeah, you know, there's there's like that would be pretty much under like hip hop, right? But it had that R and B kind of kind of um style to it too and and you know i think i've shown you this but i was going to mention this on the podcast there's a there's a website i'll link to in the show notes so you can just look for podcast 154 and just go to djmcloud.com slash 64 that should take you to the podcast and um the the thing the thing you got to look for is uh uh what what does it say in the show what is it called in the show notes uh a visual representation of music genres so it has, it's that, you know, it has like, uh, this, um, uh, it has like, like a lot of different, um, genres names. So I, I for example, if I go to it now and, uh, if I look for grunge, cause you can like, uh, you, you know, command F and like search for like a specific, oh, nice. um, name. So, okay. So now I'm in grunge. I'm looking what's, what's near grunge. Oh, you know, post grunge, uh, hmm. um, grunge pop, uh, Russian alternative, modern downshift. I don't know, like you know, like there's a. It has all these different um, genres mapped visually, so that like Russian grunge, grunge... what? <laughs> Russian what? I I don't know. I, alternative, um, and then Madchester, dark wave. Um, uh, progressive metal is further out, but so this is on the kind of left side mm. of the left middle of the chart, and it goes all the way down to where you're looking at like classical guitar in the bottom right, deep delta blues in the bottom right, and then like um, uh, in the on the upper middle right, you have a minimal dubstep, trap step. Uh, I think I think uh, I think I think trap step just is. You know, one of the, um, one of the, uh, most interesting moments to me of the, uh, Soaked in Bleach movie was, uh, the discussion about how Courtney Love, well, just to, not to go into too much detail, Courtney Love said, uh, uh, to that private, uh, investigator, supposedly, that Kurt Cobain likes to go and stay in fancy downtown hotels. Yeah. But then the, uh, someone else later claimed that he liked to go to you know 
the, the two-bit holes um, that are up along Aurora. Yeah. And, and, we, and we, we were, uh, we were kind of laughing about that because obviously driving up and down Aurora, you see those places and you see the kind of element there. But, you know, if he was there shooting heroin and stuff, you know, it kind of makes sense that, you know, he might be up in a place like that, right? I mean, no one's going to bother him, ask no, for his yeah. autograph. I mean, and, and exactly, and, the, and, 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 you know, being able to just have the cover to kind of do those you know, you know, do, do that smack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's an article that I read that I thought was it kind of brings up an interesting point. Basically, it asked the question, uh, if I can paraphrase and probably poorly, uh, why is it trendy for books to be so long? Define so long, like 700 pages, kind of long. Yeah, there's those there's those books, you know, going you know going to, back to like a a year or two ago, a lot of people were reading uh, the Goldfinch by Donna Tart and. Uh, that there's other there there've been books you know that just come in at really really long and um, re really long page counts and you know I mean like uh, it here's the thing right like like there's a lot of different ways to look at it and these trends go back and forth there's a lot of long novels but on the one hand we have an era of short attention spans and I guess my basic premise is that for a lot of authors writing a a nice short novel that's well written that has like you know that every every word in it is well written and the whole, the whole thing is you know is is worthwhile like it doesn't have to be extremely long like i think today people might appreciate being able to read a handful of books and then also if, if if you're the first author they read how much commitment do they have you know if you don't if you're not someone getting written up in like a you know uh, New York Review of Books or something like what people what are people going to read you know but or are they going to be are they going to jump at an author with are they going to see that as credibility I'm, I'm concerned that it's you know it's being used do you know what I mean in place of actual credibility like it's like it's like just because it's long I mean what does that really mean of course mm -hmm. there can be books that are great that are really long it's not an invalid you know kind of style but I think the question is is this part of this long form kind of trendlet you know where people where people go to like the long form website and and um long reads and there's a few of them you know that have uh apps and sites where they they collate a number of different you know i guess what we used to think of as magazine pieces you know and, and it's just become like maybe people on the web a lot of a lot of websites are like bbc where they only usually have a few paragraphs they just have the basic update and then and that's maybe for the web that fits in a lot of situations, right? People's quick updating as they go. But in terms of the, the, the it's become so common that, that there's an alternative. There's websites that say, no, we're going to collate a bunch of links. It's it's an aggregator, like many other things, right? Right. But it's an aggregator that's pulling together long pieces that I think used to be thought of as like long form magazine articles or pieces like that but now they kind of just live on the web some of them also get printed up some of them don't you know uh they might be on medium 
you know, but like, is that trend going, finding itself expressed out in the book world too, where people are like, well, they want a long, you know, long form book. Yeah, you know, there's definitely, I think, an association with long being better, right? Um, but I think that that's not always true now, and it definitely is being used that way in this sort of trendlet, as, as you say, you know. Um, but it's just being used, I think, to draw attention because it's a tough market, and if you can create, you know, call pieces that are longer yeah. Any than way a you Facebook can differentiate yourself, I guess. Post, you know. yeah. Well, exactly. Right. Facebook it, it is sounds, another. For, Facebook and Twitter are both like that. They have sounds very hipster esque. I'm reading something long form, people. It, you know, so yeah. the the young people are tiring of the social media, and so they're maybe they're just recrafting this. I don't know. I feel like people are are tiring of it. You know, that generation age. Boomers, though, man, they're just getting started. They're just figuring out how to do it. Boomers and beyond. Yeah. They can post those sparkly roses. You know what I mean? I do I do think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different uh, groups that are getting into online stuff, and it isn't... It isn't in a, a young people, teenager, 20-something, 30-something driven trend uh, market anymore in a lot of areas. Yeah, it's it, it, it's like the internet has a lot of different corners. And it's, what is it? Like, it's pretty common for people to have some sort of internet access, right? Don't, like, more than half people have smartphones now? Or a very high percentage? Half of people in the world? No, I mean in, in a country like the United States. Yeah. I would say so. I think it's like getting to like somewhere up there. 30, 40, you know, 50%. and the age is younger too, man. You see like 10 year olds. Well, that's with the them. thing. I mean, six year olds. 18 and over, two and most a people have olds. it. But even little yeah. kids, they have, um, they have even, or even if they have a small tablet today, right? The things that that thing can do are, are, are pretty uh, considerable. And yeah, some of those little, you know, kids, they take to those those devices really quickly, don't they? And then some, some, you know, there's a lot of different questions. I, I guess I think when, when, when parents talk about screen time and limiting that, it seems to me that you'd be, um, the, 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 the biggest priority would be limiting like passive screen time where they're just sitting and watching TV with a bunch of fast cuts and just having their brain rewired. Whereas like, you know, yeah. if they have a tablet, they're probably gonna be able to map the interface to what they're doing. Give them a good tablet with a good interface and the, and I'm probably at, at an appropriate age. I don't know, maybe not super young, you know, but like then, you know what I mean? They're going to learn how to use it like a tool sort of, right? Like if it's if it's done properly, I, mean, I don't see why that would be a big downside. But I guess the whole the whole thing with screen time is still a lot of research. Needs to go into that stuff. Yeah, well, there's a lot of research with, with screen time and there's a lot of research on the same level with this idea of like play, right? Like, oh, okay, yeah. you know, and I, I wonder how it goes in with the screen time. Like, could it be that, you know they are on the screen and they're still having this play time but yeah what do we do how do we how do we measure that you know how we can't it's hard it's hard for us to see beyond this experience i mean it's, it, computers are still relatively new to all of us and they've advanced so quickly and they can do so much and you just really do realize how when you see a two and a half year old grab your phone and know how to operate it yeah you're just like, 
True. And, you know, like, uh, uh, speaking of, of, of the amount of playtime and stuff people get, maybe some of these students on the campus of University of Missouri didn't get enough playtime before they went off to college. Um, uh, like, you know, they, like, because, you know, kids are really pushed hard these days. Cause yeah. Have you, have you seen... This is just, this is that, that thing that, where they were surrounding that camera uh, 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 journalist. And there's, there's this... Uh, there's this guy with the, uh, you know, just trying to document what's going on in the courtyard of a major public university, <laughs> University of Missouri, when all those protests are happening. Uh, this is dated November 9th, 2015. So this is okay. just, you know, happening. But, like, they're basically surrounding the guy and making it so that they're trying to block his camera. There's a person taking video of the, of, of what's going on, but they're directing most of their ire at the, at the guy with the still camera. Why? You hear him yelling? I, well, it's, to me, to me, it goes back to actually what this, the first podcast that I recorded in, in, um, uh, in 2010 and in this, in this series uh, the, about photographers' rights and how, like, I was just walking around, uh, around West 6 in Cleveland one night and, and just with a camera because it's like, we're just, you know, That's some infamous shots that night. Yeah, people, people, like, were... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cleveland. That's yeah. like the best one or whatever it is. Something That's like that, right. right? Yeah, it has the background. Welcome to Cleveland, and people are, are in an interesting pose and stuff. But 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 there was most people <laughs> to were say just, the least. People were just like you know partying, and it wasn't a, a thing until like one uh, um, person was like really annoying and and just was like yelling at me and like swatting at my camera, and I'm like you know like that's. You, you can't that is unacceptable you know what i mean and like so so i totally stand with this with this uh, uh student journalist this photojournalist i think i mean i think he, maybe he was photographing for somebody and he was a student there or, or but it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter what exactly you know he, he he was doing i mean he was a he was at a major american university you know for i, I it just it just seems like crazy that people don't respect photographers rights and i think that's just i think that's a term that like we need to put more out there like photographers rights is the thing like people just like someone has a right as um you know uh a cyclist or a pedestrian or whatever like like there's a set of rights as a photographer and it's like you know the actual when people are in public they have every right to photograph and i guess it doesn't seem to get questioned when people are doing you know like 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 they're the same person might be taking a camera phone picture a minute before but then they just arbitrarily have a problem with with what you're doing with with your video camera or or your or your uh you know your digital camera or whatever like it, it's unacceptable to just assault people in public you know what i mean like we need to have like a vocabulary about like you know that like what is that like what is like mobbing on a camera like you know camera wolfing i don't know like we need to come we need to come up with something i literally i'm just throwing stuff out there but i mean <laughs> we need to come up with the term to be like what are you doing to somebody who's just trying to like you know um, use his photographic device, you know, like he's just trying to shoot some video or take some, take some pictures and you're interfering with the person's art, but you're also interfering with their rights. Like they have, people have personal space. I mean, you, people just, it, 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 and it comes down to people's, um, some, somehow like assumed and mistaken belief that they have a right not to be photographed. They don't when they're in public, they're in public. And so the person has a right to use the camera that supersedes their, non-existent right to privacy they have a certain right to privacy in terms of like being maybe like like pursued and it's a lot of gray areas like if somebody's taking video 
of your house and they're going through your your front window that may not be allowed like there, there there's definitely there's there's a there's a lot of lines and it's it's complex but in general you have the right to operate the thing in public you know like why don't people understand that you know like there isn't very good education about that right people seem entitled to 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 not have someone they seem to be entitled in their sense that they they that that that, that people have to give permission and i guess i come back like i remember all those stupid mtv um shows in the late 90s and the early zeros where they would have um people in the background shit like jackass and 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 and, and worse shows they would they would like blur some people out and blur and not blur others and so it became this popular belief that if you signed a release then they can use your face otherwise those people were blurred because they didn't sign a release and they they have they exercise their magical non-existent right to not have uh, themselves photographed and videoed in public now mtv being a commercial operation their lawyers probably convinced them on some bullshit you know what i mean but you but if you're just taking video you have the right to use that footage yeah well i think it's 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 kind of like tit for tat right with, with mtv or whatever like if you're not gonna give us what we want we're not gonna give you what you could get from being on our Shenanigans. There's, there, there, there's right? some shakedown involved, exactly. Um, The investigation into the Silk Road is kind of, you know, has, has already sort of happened. That Ross Ulbricht guy got thrown in uh, in federal prison over the whole thing. Uh, but uh, the story continues. And, and so apparently a federal agent who investigated the Silk Road, someone in on, you know, the investigation. Yeah. Uh, admitted to stealing 800000 Involved, I somehow, you know, I guess, uh, kind of embezzled out of it, uh, or something like that. Wow, that's a lot of money. I wonder how crooked the whole investigation was. How many different people were on the on the make with that? You know, like infiltrating the groups and then all this stuff. And I don't know. You know, it's pretty crooked. They they. Uh, but anyway, so that that um, it's definitely uh, you know, um. Pretty, uh, pretty crooked. Oh, come on, this is bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, there's, uh, there's a lot of news in, uh, firearms, guns, shootings. A lot of news in, uh, in that area. Um, now, you know, we, I, I've talked on this, we're 27 minutes into this podcast. Yeah. And I have a 20 minute, 23 minute actually, um, edit of me, you uh, with me too, uh, I think, but also, but a lot of it, me ranting about guns and how I don't, I don't like them that much. And I don't like, uh, Heller versus DC really a bunch of stuff like that. And, and so, um, in the show notes, there's a link on YouTube 
So I don't need to go on at length. There's like, there's 23 minutes of me going on about, about guns. It says, I've talked about gun culture before on the podcast. You click on that and you can go. And, uh, I mean, you know, but, but again, another, you know, there was down in the Umqua Community College. There was, there was the Colorado Springs Planned Parenthood. There's just been like, obviously, you know, another, you know, wave, you know, America, you know, and um, I don't know. It's just like people are so full of shit, right? About doing anything about it, and and then there's this whole one of the really, one of the really disingenuous things that the gun nuts and idiots say after a shooting is that concealed carry would be a good idea, even though there's really no record of a concealed carry person ever stopping anything from happening. It's all it's all bullshit, but but it's something that like you know there's constant talk. You know what I mean from right wing idiots after these shootings that people there should be some there should be somebody else with a gun. You know what I mean like I just and I just kind of picture the logical conclusion like eventually you know ten years from now you'll have to get in a shootout every time you need to go to work or go to like the store or something. It'll yeah. just be the thing you need to do. You know you just have to carry your concealed arsenal and just like what what in the fuck are people saying but do you know what I mean like but you hear that like people say that you know like the conce- it's it's a you know I think like one of the articles I linked to it, it calls the concealed carry fantasy right that's what it is and you know it's 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 it's, com- it's complete nonsense and instead of like oh well you know having all these guns and terrible I mean you know not just terrible mental illness care and that's another thing that they shall they try to hide in yeah but like that when those people like the Colorado Springs shooter uh, listen to right-wing politicians they they get motivated by them yeah that do. isn't just some mental illness issue that is a politics issue and i think we keep you know people keep sidestepping that people keep sidestepping the the the, the role that right-wing politicians play in fueling these right-wing terrorists you know and it's just it's just ongoing i mean you know it's just like like why can't there be honesty about this why can't there be accountability you know like there was more accountability when people when the oklahoma city bombing happened and people started talking about how like Newt Gingrich's rhetoric seemed to be like kind of in line with what Timothy McVeigh wanted like people it seems like why are people more afraid to like you know say this I guess maybe now like it's it's people are finally saying stuff like this but it's just like it just seems like it takes a while to like say like isn't this all connected you know like and I mean you know you got all these right-wing idiot uh people um they uh they still uh, favor George W. Bush. You know, there's actually, like, uh, polls out because there's all this discussion about Jeb Bush and Jeb W. Bush and why he's doing so poorly. But it's it's mainly because he sucks, and maybe some people are kind of si- sick of Bush, but actually, the overall Republican electorate, even though probably most of those idiots are going for Trump, the overall Republican electorate is very favorable to Bush. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I think they're just ready for someone like, you know, like the same kind of... You know, like, Trump actually represents the same... In a way, it's just a different, like... Slant, just a different type of, of a very similar kind of idiocy. Yeah. I mean, really, right? I didn't really think about too much of the connection, but I think they they are. But but probably voters don't have a problem with George W. Bush. So that's a, that's a, that's a you know that's a thing that people don't really you know understand. And and um, uh, you know, like um, more uh, jerk uh, politicians. Rahm Emanuel of uh, Chicago. You know, he should be fired for that whole Laquan yes. uh, McDonald thing, right? And that, that murder of, of, uh, 
of, of uh, a young uh, black man by a police officer that was covered up and it was just so blatant. They've already had to unload the, the police chief or superintendent or whatever, um, but, th you know, that's not enough. And they're going to have, you know, it's like there's protests, but there's, there should be more protests. You know, people in Chicago have been taking this too long. They have that Holman Square, like, uh, off the books detention center. They have all this insane stuff that they do, you know, and I think like how many murders are being covered up by Chicago police officers? You know what I mean? Like that's the question needs to be asked and it needs to be, it needs to be investigated. Yeah. I mean, it'll, we're going to be there soon and I wonder what I the mean, sentiment be will be. quiet about it for now because we're going to be actually be inside, inside the grid and, and <laughs> inside the, <laughs> the, the, yeah, inside the jurisdiction of the Chicago PD. I mean, I wouldn't over... Uh, I, I wouldn't... I, it's hard to overstate how crooked they are. Listening to DJMCloud.com podcast with me, Dan McKeown, and with my co host, Jessica. Hello. We're recording today on uh, December 6, 2015. Did he do his windmill move again? He sure did. Oh no! <laughs> Michael Geiger hits the uh, field goal. That. Michigan State, as gutsy as it gets, spoils senior day, snaps Ohio State win streak, and takes command of the Big Ten East behind two backup quarterbacks and an Ohio native kicker. And a tremendous defense. So 17-14 in Columbus, Michigan State a few weeks ago beat the Buckeyes, and that put them uh, that put them on, um, as as they said, you know, uh, um, uh, in in the fast lane of the uh, division um, conference, and uh, and then uh, a few weeks later. The Big Ten Championship game just happened, um, and, uh... We won! The Iowa Hawkeyes are making their first appearance here in right. the Big Ten Championship. That's the right. The State Spartans are making their third appearance in the Big Ten Championship game. So, skip ahead a little bit here. 
See what I see uh, at the end here. This had to do with a late drive. So LJ Scott extends uh, his hands, uh, fights at, at the two to get to, uh, to the goal line, extends his hand just over the line and gets a, a touchdown um, oh. with only, uh, well, I don't know, so like 27 seconds left or something. And that, that's how we, uh, that's how Michigan State won the Big Ten. Uh, beat, beat Iowa by... Uh, by a score of uh, 16 to 13 in that game. Oh, I can't wait to rub it in. <laughs> Big week.
and what is happening this week, we are going to become an enemy of God. This is it. I'm telling you, this is the last call. You think we don't understand what do you want our people from me right now? You think you don't understand your country? You think you can't talk to people in your own family? Because you can't even understand what they're even saying? You haven't seen anything yet. Here's my next prediction. You know what? Nobody really cares. We are here. We are still on the road traveling together. It's a trap. This week, we choose. We choose. Good, light, life, love, truth. Oh, what did you think of uh, working with Mitt Romney? He says, oh, man, we loved him. That's, that's what happens children? with Mitt Romney. You want to check my website out? Go to danmckeown.info. Jessica's is at jessica.sf3am.com. And podcast uh, website, djmcloud.com. And uh, I, I created a new WordPress theme called it Theme 12. I mean, like the number. And it's uh, it's available on GitHub, uh, and uh, you can find a link in the show notes. Uh, but also, it is powering my it's powering my uh, my uh, blog at djmblog.com. Mm-hmm.